You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gobbler Country Podcast, Talking Turkey. I'm your host, Brian Manning, and joining me tonight is my normal co-host, John Schneider, and our frequent guest and co-host, Jahar Ali, both friends of the friend of the website, former writer, hopefully soon to be writer. Guys, how are you tonight? Uh, getting over cold and trying to uh, sort all of this stuff out and keep up with it. It's not a good look right now. Wait, something happened with Virginia Tech that I didn't know about? What is this? Yeah, well, you know, some of these finance guys, they never get their head out of their spreadsheets. Yeah, I mean, at least tech is one step closer to being a basketball school, I guess. Well, speaking that's what of, you always wanted. Yep, and speaking of, the reason we're having this pod tonight is, as everyone knows by now, Justin Fuente has interviewed at Baylor for the open head coaching vacancy there. And he's not he was already not the most popular guy on campus, and – whether he returns or doesn't return, he will go down as the most hated guy in Virginia Tech history. What's what's your opinions on that? I'll lead it off. I, I think hate's a strong word, but like I said on one of our comments, and trying to I'm trying to be neutral while these discussions are going on swirling around, it's really hard. So his name is pretty much poop. And, and and I mean that using the euphemism on purpose. His name is, no matter what happens, is going to be poop. Who's Baylor's biggest rival? Would you guys know off the top of your head? Baylor? Yeah. Uh, that's that's a really good question. I, I, because there's... I, I TCU. TCU yeah. and Oklahoma. In, you yeah. Know, in TC, it's interesting because his mentor is Gary Patterson, so... TCU is their biggest rival. That's kind of a weird dynamic there. And Jerry Kill, that's speaking of more news, Jerry Kill had le- has left Blacksburg and is going to TCU. It seems like he, for a guy with major health problems, he's taking a new job every year. It doesn't quite add up for me, but that's another story. Yeah, well, Kill, Jerry Kill is not great regardless whether Fuente leaves or not. He was pretty crucial to actually helping design plays and designing plays that actually worked, which is why we saw a lot of improvement in the second half of the season. But if Wente leaves, then, you know, where are we as a program, as an offense, even as a defense? Because who knows what that staff is going to look like if he leaves. Well, the the staff itself is going to be up in the wind because the only people we'll have left over will be Daryl Tapp, this new guy that they just hired, which just flabbergasts me that, that Fuente would pull this the day after 
he hired a new kid, right? <laughs> and then he's a kid. I mean, he's not very even very old. He, well, just he, think he, this. He yesterday, the official announcement came in for Ryan Smith on on yet yesterday, and then hours later the news broke he was in talks with Baylor. That that's it's a time it's a timing issue and it's just it's just uh i don't know it's it's whatever you want to call it but it's not good they were supposedly in meetings yesterday with the whole staff and they were planning more meetings and everyone was excited about the 2020 season they felt they had a good team and good staff together and then now you know here we are so yeah was it dan walken that reported that puente it's still iffy whether he takes a job because he thinks the 2020 team at Tech will be really good. Yep, that's I where think I, that was him. Yep, that was him. Jahar, didn't he say also that he liked his staff at Virginia Tech? Yeah, I mean, if you pull Tierling, Hamilton, these new guys you have confidence in, you're going to obviously think very highly of your team moving forward because you have the guys in place that you want. So it's just very not transparent in how this whole situation has gone down. And this transparency has obviously been a problem for this athletic department. I mean, it's hard enough to get a real answer out of Fuente at a press conference, and John and Brian both know that from covering games. Yeah, it's standard coach talk. I mean, I could I could yeah. stand up there and answer the questions myself. Yeah, I think part of, he's not a popular guy. He hasn't been a popular guy since he's been on campus, and and some of that's not fair because he came after Frank Beamer. He couldn't help that, but – he could help himself with the transparency if he opened things up a little bit. I think people would respect him more, and that's really kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And, and he has that right to do that, but it, it just hasn't done him any favors. I mean, you just got to look at this year, you know, LSU's coach look how personable, how, like, I don't know, the personality he is, and that's, like, invigorated his players, the fan base. And Fuente just hasn't really done that since, I don't know, his first year here where – He's winning with a ton of Beamer's talent as we've gone over. You just made a great point. Sometimes with with Coach O, I mean, the kids flock to that, a family-type atmosphere where you, you don't hear kids. Every school now, you hear kids getting in the portal. Some are unhappy. You're not hearing that at LSU, and it's before they won the national title. It's just to have a coach like that who – he's not an X's and O's guy at all, and he's just – but he unites that program, and it's it's pretty cool to see, actually. You know, those progressive offensive guys are out there if you, you just got to find them. But I have a feeling that, and, and John and I spoke about this too, is is if they end up with a defensive hire before Babcock hires them, I want to know who your offensive coordinator is. I want to know your offensive plan. That's a, whoever they hire, you know, this is all pending, this announcement, of course. But we want to know who you're hiring. We want to know what the plan is on us because you have to go with a spread. And, and I'm, Jahar, I know you'll agree with that. Right. Yeah, I definitely do. If you're going to pick a defensive guy, your offensive coordinator better be a pretty good hire. Yeah. And the methodologies better be different too. It better be a, an offensive coordinator that's, that's actually used to making adjustments. The whole problem with Cornelson has been since the beginning, they have a playbook. They run a certain set of plays. They run. Ah, the, they figure it. Stretch. Stre- they they structure <laughs> it. They 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 yeah. Jet sweeps and okay yeah. Sometimes jet sweeps really work really great. They did. They worked for us a couple of times, but I'm, most of the time they don't. I, uh, and I vote, if you run them all the time, they're not really special. Hey John, I vote to rename this podcast the Jet Sweep Podcast. That's a great idea. Oh, oh that is a good. Let's, let's, yeah, let's let's. Oh, let's have a fail right off the bat. <laughs>
uh, you know, I, at, at some point there, there needs to be, you know, some offensive, some offensive reality in, in this, and they've got to make sure that the offense that they put into place is flexible and dynamic and actually takes advantage of the talent that it has. It doesn't try to hammer talent into the old square peg and round hole thing. You can't just keep doing things that the talent can't do and then say, well, you didn't execute. Well, no, you didn't call the right plays. That was probably all three of our big complaint is every time something didn't work, it was always the kid's fault for not executing properly. And and it's like, no, you didn't call a good play. You didn't call a good play series. So that would need to be solved. I don't know if it ever will be, you know, at, at this point, you know, it, it's just one of those forever. We'll never know. Will we? Well, there is a silver lining to this. If there is a coaching change and that means Brad Cornelson will be gone. So you mean it is script that doesn't yeah. change no matter who the opponent is. If Courtney somehow survives this, I think, um, I think I might quit Virginia tech football. Let's just say that. Hmm. <laughs> You're not the only one that feels that way. So we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to talk to the guys about if Fuente does come back, what do you think the reception will be like from the players and the fans? Well, welcome back from the commercial break. Now we're going to talk about uh, the scenarios. First one, what happens if this all blows up in Fuente's face? And he has to suck it up and fly back to Hokie International Airport with his tail between his legs and his hat in his hand and, and beg forgiveness. What 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 the heck happens now? Well, does he have a winning season or not? Because that's really what it's going to come down to, right? Oh, if he has a winning season, a lot of fans – well, not just a winning season, but obviously like a nine-win season. A lot of fans are just going to be like, oh, he just went to Baylor to try to get more leverage like it's been theorized right now. But if he starts having a losing season, he's – People are going to be like, hey, um, this guy doesn't really have his heart into this job. Like, we don't think he's the guy. And it's really, it's kind of crazy how it all comes down to outcomes, you know, like eight, nine months from now. But I feel like that's how it's going to turn out if he comes back. Yeah, it, it's looking on the poll on the web page with now 444 votes for a poll that I just threw together. That most people are saying he's got a uh, season to prove himself win back the team, win back Hokie Nation, and win. But, uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, there'd be no choice. I I don't know. If I'm Babcock, there's probably about three or four clauses that he's stepped on in his contract that Babcock would say could could probably get the lawyers to go to him and say, uh, hand us the million dollars, you're out. You just resigned. At this point, I'm sure Babcock doesn't want him back at this point, but – it's that whole mess of the buyout. <laughs> He's kind of stuck here for an, at least another year. So I agree about the buyout. I mean, you can't really just yeah, dump them this year. So you're stuck with them, and that's not really the place you want to be. And I think Fuente knows that. That's I think no. that's why he's when he's flirting with this job, even if he's not 100% serious about taking it and he's just using it for whatever kind of leverage, he knows they're not going to fire him because of the buyout. So Perhaps he doesn't care what the reception is when he comes back. He only well, cares. He should, for- yeah. Sorry. Ahead, he Arnford. should really care about the reception from the players too. Cause it feels like 
I think I saw Trey Turner saying we're finding out on social media, like the rest of us with the fans. Like, so, I mean, they see, they're going to seem pretty broken up about it. If, you know, who knows what their mentality will be towards Fuente that yeah. could have an impact on their performance. Absolutely. And I think from, from what I've seen from a few other social media messages like Dax and Trey and those guys, they seem to be galvanized with each other more than, for their coach. I mean, I think that's a good sign for Virginia tech as they seem well, to be pulling. It's a really up. important sign for no matter what, which is the final, you know, phase of all this discussion uh, before we wrap up for the night is uh, okay. We're, we're no matter what happens, what are we looking at? You know, are we going to, are we looking at another five years in the doldrums? bumping along the Peloton at eight and four, eight and four, or, or, you know, like seven and six for the bowl game or, you know, God, you know, yeah. I, and this situation is going to require an A plus plus effort to wade through and come out of this successfully. So we'll see. And the, the one positive in all this is we do play in the coastal. So. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there is, a certain warmth about the fact that our biggest competition is, is Nardo and Bronco. So we'll see how that shakes out. Hey, before we close real quick, John, I want to I yeah. talk to you guys about how about the basketball team right now? Talk about a coach who's outperforming his contract and who we can all get behind. Yeah. I love, I, I, I yep. love the Mike Young hire at the beginning. I mean, when everybody else said, but, and I looked him up and I'm like, Wow, look at this guy's done it. Wofford, little old tiny, almost nobody. The, the basketball team is like the student body. This was, as we said before, this was Jahar's hire all along. He told me about he wanted Mike Young way before I ever heard it. All props go to him. He's the first one, and he was 100% right on this one. Look at my timeline somewhere in there in March. It says Mike Young would be the best hire for Virginia Tech. Don't at me. You, you so. did. You so did. Yeah, it's yours, Jahar. I, and you, I, and you I told me that. that. And as you and I talking, you told me that. And hey, what a what a hire! What a what a great guy to to lead the program. And he's not going anywhere. And the team's only going to get keep getting better. Yep. And all, thankfully, how about he's here for the long term. Hey, hey Jahar, what about and that? They're all babies. They're all red. They're, they're all freshmen. They're all red shirt freshmen, first year guys. I mean, these kids are tearing it up. You got Cone does a double double last night. Come on. On the road. Tyrese Radford is the first player in Virginia Tech history, well, since 2010. Yeah, that was Radford. 21 points, 21 points, 13 boards, and four steals in one game. That is and amazing. nugget of the night. Put one, and he's pulling down 10, 12 rebounds a game lately. It's insane. <laughs> and it's all, it's like four of them are on the offensive glass, too. It's like, how? how? That shouldn't happen. But anyways, the yeah, this... team's doing well. We'll talk about well, that on the next pod, hopefully. Yep. Well, guys, we got to wrap this up, but we've got a basketball podcast to put together. I'm really excited about this team, and it makes all of this garbage going on with a football team a little bit less painful. So we're going to leave it with everybody with that. It's going to be an interesting couple of days as this all gets sorted out. We'll be back with you. You'll keep checking the website because we're going to have stories and we're going to have you know different polls, and we're going to have some more commentary it's just stuff to talk about. So we're all about one thing here, and that's Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech sports, we're all about the Hokies. So we know the guys are together, and they're hanging together, and that's a good thing so far. Let's have some good thoughts for them and the kids on the team, and we'll we'll just leave it with go, go Hokies. Hokies.